Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. All right, welcome to another episode of the Financial MD Show. We're back and ready to talk about what's relevant today in finances for young physicians. And sometimes there's very specific things that apply to you. And sometimes there are things that just apply to everybody. Like for example, today's topic of buying a car is something that applies to everybody. Now, certainly when you get out of residency, that's when most people, most Doctors are definitely looking to buy a car. I don't know about you, Trevor, but that was, uh, what was that like? Was that your new car purchase when you got out of residency or fellowship or what no. was it? My goal was to pay off my loans. I was pretty aggressive on paying off my loans. I kept the same car I had in residency until it was totaled last year. Okay. <laughs> had a nice uh, trip to Florida, flew back, snowstorm, driving home from the Detroit airport. And mm. there was a 19-year-old kid and a brand new 2021 Chevy Blazer, bright orange, just ripping down the right lane, going nice. about 80. Everyone else is going like 60-ish or so. Really heavy yeah. snow condition. People from Michigan would know. Yeah. And he just started spinning around in front of every, everybody. Uh, he hit an off-duty police officer first. Okay. Uh, and then two other cars, including my own. And so, uh, yeah, so that car was toast. Hit the How old was he? I didn't get is you know exact age but he looked like he's probably 19 i mean he yeah. looked younger than 20 yeah it's possible that he was he was a little older than that but yeah pretty crazy so i kept my same car i just was like you know what? i like this car it's a solid car i got a wicked deal on it mm -hmm. in residency didn't really have many repairs mm -hmm. so i waited but then i've just kind of been like bouncing around because that was like still during covid you know yeah. a year ago that was 2021 so cars were like crazy so i just bought the cheapest used car i could find with good gas mileage and i've been driving a 2005 toyota prius for the last year mm -hmm. the air conditioning doesn't work <laughs> you're starting yeah, to feel that I now never, oh my gosh it's, <laughs> it's I hate to admit how much it drives me crazy not to have air conditioning, but when it's like, you know, it's humid in Michigan. Oh yeah. So the heat's one thing, but humid, uh, it's brutal. Yeah. So it's windows down. It's loud. I replaced the rear shocks. I've just been putting a lot of money into it. I'm like, this is crazy. So yeah, what prompted this pod here, right? Was yeah. I was like, I'm going to buy a car. And the funny thing about people, even if they have a financial advisor, they'll usually buy a house or a car and they'll be like, Hey, uh, I just wanted to give you a call, just a heads up, uh, financial advisor. I just bought $80,000 Audi or something like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. Is that part of our plan that we put together? Oh, my would... gosh. Dude, that is yeah, the same so... conversation I've had. I think, folks, what you're hearing is Trevor's been with us long enough to <laughs> know what the quick and the dirty side of financial planning that nobody tells you that I've gotten to the point where I... I'll put it in writing with clients before, like, please let us know of any upcoming 
financial changes or large purchases or like any of that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes they don't think about it, but I know there's some times where they didn't want to tell me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? It's really funny. It's definitely financial advisors are to some degree, they're like accountability for our financial decisions. You know, like well, if sure. you eat terrible and you start getting a belly and you still go to the gym, and you've got a trainer, you know, he's going to be like, Hey, we've been working at this. Like what's going on? You know, like, mm -hmm. are we achieving your goals? We can adjust them, but you know, this is what yeah. we said we were going to do. So what's the plan here? It's just, it's incredibly valuable to have that person to be able to check in. Yeah. Not uh, that it's with... not flexible, but um, I've always said half the value of a financial planner, when I talk to people about how much it costs, you know, monthly to work with financial MD or any of that kind of thing, it's, they always think, well, what's the value that I'm getting? Are they going to save me money? Mm -hmm. Are they going to make me more money because I work with mm -hmm. a financial planner? Well, probably, but it's going to be intangible things that we can't track because half the value of working with a financial planner is the accountability. And we almost call it a financial coach. So people can get that concept yeah. a little better. Totally. Uh, I'm going to tell you to do stuff. I'm going to expect you to do it. And when you don't, I need to hear about it, you know, or that kind of stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I hope everybody listening to this, whenever the point is you work with a financial planner, if you're disciplined enough to do it yourself, great, but that's not the majority. As the white coat investor says, that's five to maybe 10% of docs are legitimate do-it-yourselfers and should be. The rest need to get some help and uh, yeah, you need that accountability. Because I tell people this, this isn't information that's proprietary to me. I'm not some brilliant storehouse of knowledge that nobody else has. I have a lot of knowledge, but it's not stuff you can't just Google either. So why do you need a financial planner? So there you go. That's my rant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I totally agree. Yeah. So that's why I reached out. I was, I was curious, like, what are your thoughts? What do you talk to about clients with cars? Cause I'm about to buy a new car. I want to replace one I have. Well, not, I'm mean, still going to keep it around as a backup. Cause I basically repaired everything sure. on it that needs to be repaired. Yeah. It's got, you know, 200,000 plus miles on it. Like yeah. it's fully depreciated. It's perfect. It's a great backup car to just keep around and barely cost me anything on insurance. It's sweet. And my mm -hmm. family can use it, you know, siblings, parents, whatever, running to the airport, it gets great gas mileage. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll just keep it around. It's not worth trading in or even selling i don't think yeah so but i want to upgrade something that i can kind of be a, a nice commuter car that's more comfortable and, and just something nicer like i really focus so much on my loans that i'm like when am i gonna ever buy something like that i like yeah like just for me to enjoy because like that's part of the supposedly part of the reason we make money but i'm kind of bad about spending money on things i can like just use that don't have an explicit investment purpose you know, growth plan. Yeah. So I could just drive this thing forever into the ground and save some money here and there, but I really uh, would like to do something, you know, get something nice that I enjoy. That's just fun and comfortable and yeah. easier on my back and stuff. And I'm not, not that old, but I'm getting old enough that I appreciate a comfortable seat if I'm, if I'm driving a lot, you know? Yeah. So are you at like, so, like back in the day, are you at like the Lincoln level, like Cadillac, like you want that nice smooth ride? Yeah. Yeah. That's so I've been prioritizing like a smooth ride yeah. and a uh, comfortable seat, like good back support. Yeah. Um, like the Prius that I have doesn't even adjust up and down. It only adjusts back and forth. Mm. Um, so I hadn't been in a car like that in a while when I bought this one. So <laughs> like, wow. you just end up at the same height, you know, no matter where you're at. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, That's so it's just tough. Like, yeah, it's, uh, I, we've always been an old soul. So I think that's, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the body, the body catches up, right? Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And I, when I called you, I was just like, let's make sure this is kind of what I have in mind. I'm thinking about a car payment, you know, in the range of 500 to 800 or something, get something that's 60 to 70 something month amortization uh-huh. lease period. Okay. And that'll get me in the range of 700 to 850 or so at yeah. the going rates for insurance or sorry for, um, for the loan, the interest rates are like three and a half, 4%, maybe higher depending on your bank and all that. But I'm getting quoted like around there, you know, good credit is like 730 plus and I'm, I'm set on that. Mm-hmm. So none of this obviously is bragging. I don't know. I, I doubt that sounds like bragging to say my credit score is over 730, but I just want to be clear. I don't really care. I'm not trying to sound like fancy or cool or anything. I'm just saying, here's my example. You know, I'm yeah. four months out of residency. I paid off one of my major loans. I want to drive something a little bit nicer and just enjoy that. I'm coming from the flip side of like, I'm having a hard time letting myself spend a little bit of money. That's what I'm finding because I've been so like nose down pay off as much as possible of my debt and now i'm like oh is it okay if i like don't buy a toyota you know and it's kind of almost like a psychological process to walk through like oh but this costs a little bit more and then i look at the miles per gallon for luxury cars they're not as good as like a toyota hybrid or yeah. like a lexus hybrid yeah i'm like oh it's gonna cost this much per year and gas and if gas doubles in price, it'll be even more proportionally. So, but at the same time, like, man, what am I making? What am I working hard for and making money for? You know, like if I'm not going to spend it sometimes on something that I enjoy, it's like, man, what's the point? You know? Well, my normal so, answer is you're making more money to buy more Bitcoin, but that's. Yeah, right, right, right. right. No, that's my normal answer too. <laughs> and I do love that perspective, but you know what? Bitcoin goes down and up, right? So I think I've got a pretty rational, regular plan yep. on my investing and I've got that portion of my income set aside. So it's like, well. I can do that. I don't really want to buy a home and investment properties. You know, that's investments, all that stuff. I keep thinking, oh, I could do more investments. Like, well, I'm already doing investments. Yeah. I'm already being responsible. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm, I don't want to be too redundant, but that's kind of been the process. I found a car I like, and now I'm just going through the, you know, I know the exact payments it's going to cost. I just got quotes on the insurance and I compared a Toyota hybrid car to this other kind of more like luxury car mm-hmm. it's still not an odd it's still not german it's still one of the lower cost ones but it's like the the hyundai sub-brand genesis i'm like oh these are cool i kind of like the look of them they're a little more comfortable but they're not like the cost of a mercedes e-class or yeah. a bmw 5 series or something like that so and the maintenance won't be quite as expensive so i'm still being like very financial about it even though i'm yeah. trying to make more of a fun decision. So what's the, I mean, we're going to talk about a couple different things here in terms of what's normal advice for buying a car. And then what's it like these days and how do we have to tweak that a little bit? So normally when we're looking at car, I mean, general rule of thumb that I would say to anybody that can, and I would say, you know, this is one of those Dave Ramsey would probably agree with don't buy brand new car. I think people know that in general, but these days that may have changed and be a little bit different because the used car market is so tight and unprecedented and just availability and all those things, we may have to relook at some of those things. General rule of advice, buy a two or three year old car, pay cash for it, but we're still in a fairly low interest rate environment. We, you know, good two or three year old cars are nearly as much as a brand new car, you know, so we're, we're getting one of those weird times where conventional wisdom doesn't necessarily 
apply as much. Back in 2004, the government came out with this cash for clunkers deal. Like they were short on, I can't remember what it was, if people were getting, I don't know, if scrap metal, there were some issues there. There was just, I don't remember what it was, but there was a, maybe it was to help the car industry or something like that. But they did this cash for clunkers where the government was giving like a certain amount for no matter what shape your car was in, you were getting money for these used cars. And so that bumped up the used car price quite a bit. And I ended up buying a brand new car for the first time because for like, you know, a few thousand more, yep. I got the full warranty and a brand new car and like all that kind of stuff. It was like, oh, you know, that kind of made sense. Yep. But we're kind of in another time, different reasons, but similar outcome and things kind of have to go out the window. Yesterday, Trevor and I talked a little bit about how much of your, so let's say you're you're not paying cash, how much of your budget should be going towards this? So he and I talked about student loans. We talked about other outstanding debt, if any other payments. And one of the big things that I talk to any resident, any physician that I'm doing a budget with is what is the percentage that should be going to any debt car payment included. So all told, generally 45% is what you want to be allotted no more than that. I'm not saying that's your goal you want to get up to that point, but uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of the limit where you set yourself. 45% for any debt, that's of your gross income. 25% of that is usually housing payment. Again, these are maximums recommended. So that being the case, we talked through some of that, but that's still, you know, I think the environment is still the same for something like that today. So walk us through, Trevor, what was the process like these days for buying a car? Yeah, so what I've learned is it's definitely different than last time I was looking. I looked back in 2014 when I was switching out of a car that was just costing too much to repair uh, and then had just one car between then and now mm -hmm. uh, until last year. It's interesting. So I went over and looked at a Kia Telluride. I'll just give a couple okay. specific examples. Um, and it's a crossover or? That's a full-on SUV. SUV okay. It has a third row, um, bucket seats in the middle, really easy to get in. In and out of uh, good like family car but four-door uh suv mm -hmm. so great car really highly rated one of the highest rated on consumer reports i'm really into consumer reports uh, it's great to read about like all the detailed testing they do do so, you still have good awesome too? car yeah they have great really honestly a lot of i'm not seeing bad warranties really anywhere in the toyota hyundai honda range mm -hmm. honestly it's like the american automakers that have kind of like the worst ones like I remember when I was looking at Ford five years ago, I haven't even looked at them this time, but uh, it was like three year, 36,000 mile oh, yeah. engine drivetrain. Oh, know? really? And Hyundai is 100,000, 10 year. They're kind of known for being one of the higher end ones. So, yeah. 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 I mean, if you're looking for warranties, like you, I don't know what American cars have like good warranties, but I can tell you the other Toyota, Hyundai, Kia, yeah. Kia they're, they're all pretty good. I think Kia's might be a little less, but. Regardless, checking out the Telluride, um, really highly rated objectively, you know, by that source. And it was on a lot of $61,000 in the MSRP, meaning like the price that it's assigned like at the factory when they make it was 51,000. So it was, it's currently available and it's 10,000 more than it should be new. So I was just chatting, chatting to the guy about it, the salesman. Mm -hmm. And I came back a week later because they wouldn't really budge on price. They're like, oh, we paid 6,000 over asking from another dealership to bring it here to sell. I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. So I come back a week later and I'm like, hey, you told me the car would be off the lot in a matter of days. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. You willing to come down on the price? And they're like, nope. And I was like, no problem, not interested. But I picked their brains a little bit more. I was like, it's so interesting. Obviously this is kind of new and yada, yada. It's good and bad for you because you have less volume, but you have to 
so all these cars and, and then you just basically have to charge more if you want to make the same. Obviously, most of the dealerships make their money on repairs, not on selling cars. But now they can do a bit of both, but it's low volume. He said, if I buy a new one and I'm willing to wait 10, 12 months is the lead time. Yeah. If I'm willing to wait, then I just pay MSRP and I can do a refundable deposit. So I think part of the reason the cars are kind of gone is because people have been doing that. Like a year ago, they would buy and they put 500 down, fully refundable. Yep. And then when the car would arrive, they could just buy it and they don't have to buy it. They're not obligated, fully refundable. But if the market is still tight, they can buy it and just flip it. They can sell it immediately for more. There's got to be people out there that are speculating on these cars. There's no penalty for not taking delivery when it arrives. So you've got a little bit of cash here and there. There's got to be people that are probably making decent money on that. I saw there was an article about a guy who's been doing this with Teslas. He's bought like four or five in the last year oh and flipped gosh. them for seven, 7,000 a piece on average. You know, he's doing no work other than putting a hundred dollars down and then financing a vehicle and selling it yeah. immediately. And he's making seven grand a quarter doing that. You know, that's no work, not no work, but it's low work and it's a business. You know, he's looked at all the details, but anyway, so there are some ways to get them for cheaper as long as you're super patient and you don't have an immediate need. So if anyone's looking at cars and they're like, I want to wait a year, I mean, go look at cars now, decide, put down a hundred, 200, 500 or whatever it is, fully refundable for any physician, healthcare workers listening. That's a totally reasonable amount of your paycheck. You're even thinking about a car a year from now, you should easily have that that you can put down. And then you save, you know, what is that like? 20, about 20%, a little bit less on that. If you're going from 60 grand to 50 grand, yeah, that's an amazing return on your money. You're, you're making 10 grand over a year, essentially, versus buying it. Just for waiting, right? So just for waiting. So it's really interesting. You can buy used, but it ends up being almost the same price as the list price if it's a year old, two right. years old. Some of them sell for more even than a new car because of immediate availability. It's variable, depends on the brand, depends on your area. But if you go on Carvana, Car Gurus, these apps, searching around for cars you'll see i mean they really just you just can't find them they're super hard to find right if you want a hybrid it's like impossible yeah so that's the gist of kind of the market if you're looking for what everyone else is looking for when everyone else is looking for it that's gonna be the hard thing to find so right now that's high gas mileage sedans and suvs so hybrids are really tough come by yeah um yeah so so um as gas prices have gone up have you noticed more SUVs, full-size trucks available, that kind of thing, or not really? Totally. You can go buy whatever Toyota 4Runner you want from any Toyota dealership right now. Okay. So you can get any color, any version, interior, exterior, different technology packages. Yep. I mean, there's, and trucks are still pretty popular, so they're not necessarily yeah. as easy as like SUVs, I think, okay. because there's just such a big market for trucks, but yeah, you can find like a, a Toyota Tacoma in a lot of different colors without driving more than 30, 40 minutes away. Uh, Cause their gas mileage is like 18, you know, 18, 22 or something like that. For what? So anything in that like teen range, yeah. it seems like it's pretty darn easy to find them. Yeah. I know the thoughts there was gonna thought cross my mind to sell my suburban, you know, a few months ago, but then as gas prices have gone up, that's not so appealing anymore. What about financing? What's the process? Financing, what are options like out there? What is interest like out there? Yeah, it's not, I thought it was gonna be higher. I was kind of nervous. I thought I'd walk in, learn, 
find a car I liked, and then it would match sort of the housing market. I was fearing mm. five, 6% rates, right. just thinking, man, I'm going to need to buy a less car. But it's looking like, here, here's certainly the trick. The lower you can go on the amount of months you're financing for, the lower the rate, dramatically lower. So you can get, I was looking briefly at like the Mercedes, just mostly out of curiosity. Like E350 is like a really nice car. Okay. Everybody likes them. Yeah. Pretty reliable for a Mercedes. Sure. You know, it's kind of the second nicest luxury sedan below an S-Class. Those are like 120K plus S-Class. These are like 70 to 80 or so. You get to use one in the 60s. So like Mercedes on the, the 18, 19, 20 uh-huh. car years, they'll go down to 1.99%. And those are certified pre-owned. So you're getting basically slightly older car, mm-hmm. all the warranties of a new car. You know, they check the tires. They do all this stuff. They replace them if they have to. Yep. And you get 2% financing. Well, that's at 36 months. So your payments are like $1,500, you know, a month. It's like a it's like a student loan payment for a lot of people. Yep. So for a rapidly depreciating asset, okay. maybe they haven't been depreciating much over the last year and a half, but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thinks that that'll be the case over the long term. No. So most people finance for that reason because they don't want a lot of their cash flow each month to go into a rapidly depreciating asset, mm-hmm. even if you're going to get all the way down to 2%. So like if I get a three and a half, 4% loan on a 45, $50,000 car, yeah. I'll end up paying around five, five to seven grand, really more like 5,500 yeah. in interest over a period of 60, 70 months yeah. or so. Okay. It's not like, I mean, it's a chunk of interest when you think about it. That's, you know, 10% more in, in final cost, but it's not terrible. Yeah. It's worth it to not be paying $1,500 a month, even if I saved three grand over the life of the uh, payments, yeah. at least to me. You know, that's where it gets like just a personal decision of what do you want to look like. But And relative to your cash flow and, that's like the, and stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I'm personally leaning towards trying to get something in like the 700 something dollar range, 4% interest. You know, a couple of years ago, that would have been 2% probably, which is nice, but it's totally doable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll probably go with that. It gives me some space. You know, I could do it shorter and ratchet it up to a thousand a month and probably get down to like 3% or something. Yeah. I'm just glad it's not 6%, you know, like the housing market. Is that so, uh, the dealership or is that a bank credit union? Really either. So my experience with the dealership is that they're, they're like, Hey, we can just throw this out to the local credit unions. They get the best rates for preferred lenders. It's the same process going through them as it is going through the bank. They kind of do it for you. That's, I mean, that's what I've found. You can kind of pick your poison. Some of them, like I'm looking at other types of loans, like for business ventures. Yep. And you don't want to do a bunch of hard pulls on your credit, right? When you're applying for other things at the same time, right. unless you've got great credit, maybe it's okay, but it's ideal not to. You're awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not doing a shotgun, you know, yeah. approach. I talked to one lender that was like, oh, we'll send it up to 72 loan companies and get quotes from all of them. And, you know, they say it's a soft pull, Yeah. but you never, I, I've had soft pulls that are actually hard pulls before. And so I never really believe anybody. Yeah. I, tell me if you've had a different experience, but I've had people say that enough times where I've ended up with a hard pull that affects my credit. Or I'm just like, eh, I don't need 72 quotes. You know, I need like, oh. I need like one that I'm okay with. Sure. It's great to shop it around and check and maybe get a quarter percent, a half a percent, but on $50,000, a half a percent. Yeah. You're going to save a little, especially you know, on maybe like five. If it's, yeah, if it's 4%, yeah. how much could the spread or the range actually be? It's not going to be big. There's not a big difference. How much, you know, for $500 mm-hmm. you want to spend, you know, an extra week looking at cars. That's a lot of your time driving a dealership to dealing with all that. So I just have to remember just your time is valuable as well. Yeah. So okay. I've gone with a simple approach on that and I was already pretty happy with those rates so i think i think i'm pretty close to pulling the trigger on one of these and getting back to the life of 
of uh, driving a car with air conditioning. Oh, man. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's going to be great. And I've saved a ton of money over the last year driving this kind of POS, but also great gas mileage car. Yep. So if you sacrifice for a while, eventually, you know, it's okay to let yourself go ahead and and spend a little bit of money and enjoy uh, your earnings. Yep. So I'll report back and let you know if I'm actually able to do that. But that's what I'm going to try to do is actually enjoy some of my earnings. Good. Hopefully I won't regret it. I I don't think I will, but. No, you got a good job. You got a good. uh, Yeah. You know, your life is finally stable again after Jamaica and Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Lots of great experiences and in one spot where it's, yeah, it wasn't even worth having a nice car then. No. And now I'll be using it. I think I'll drive about 20,000 miles a year or so with the new job Mm because it's kind of jumping around different offices. So this is a good time to to be doing what I'm doing. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. 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 So you'll find out you said September-ish is kind of what they're thinking or before then on the car or uh, for which portion the car should be in by. Oh yeah. So what I, I'm actually going to buy a used car. I'm going to buy a 2021 used uh, car. That's pretty hard to find. And if I order it new, uh, they don't have any lead time on it. Okay. And you can't order the car that I want. You cannot order currently for next year, even mm-hmm. because they haven't finalized the model design. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, I don't need a brand new car. Yeah. I would be happy with a 2019 or 2020. They just happen to have a 2021. Okay. It's a very limited selection. So you just kind of get what they got. And I looked online, couldn't find any online. So there you go. Okay. Gosh, it must have been. Uh, I think I was doing a review with a client who's similar thing. They're like waiting for a text from the car dealer to tell them the car is in or on its way or something like that. And that's the. Yep, they ordered ahead and then they pay in full when it arrives. Okay. Yeah. The typically a pre approval letter, when you apply for a loan, you can get a pre approval letter, then you can just go around and show them the piece of paper. Yeah. And then you're good to go. They'll like kind of take care of the rest. House. <laughs> yeah, like shopping for a house. But they typically only last like 60 days. Okay. And so you potentially have to apply for the loan twice. Like when you first go, looking and then if they don't have it and you order a year out you would have to apply again before they get it in yeah that's fair kind of a weird thing told me that yeah that can't happen you know nobody it's all new territory to be able to or to have to order that far Yep, that's kind of interesting. Okay, well, super. Um, any other tips or tricks for our young docs buying a car? Anything else that you feel like? Hey, here's one or two things you should know, or just keep in mind, are super important. Yeah, my wrap on the summary would be like use reliable objective sources to pick a reliable car. So oh, okay. Consumer Reports is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Kelly Blue Book has just user reviews and people posting like, ah, this car sucks. I had to do this and that. And you can see if there's a a trend of those, Uh but consumer reports is great. They do one big annual issue every year that just came out. And that goes through really almost all the cars commonly on the road in the U S. So I use that as a vinyl reference of, you know, even certain model years of of a car, even if you've got a Toyota Corolla or something incredibly reliable, there'll typically be one kind of weak year where they were tweaking. And generally the best cars are like three years after a new model year because they kind of work through some of the kinks the first year or two yeah for you don't sure. often want to buy the new model yeah. the newest refresh of a model year right and you often don't want to do the last one either <laughs> from what i've seen because they kind of tend to tail off they're working on the other car so something in the middle toyota seems to refresh like every eight to ten years or so okay. so it gives you a wide range yeah. in the middle yeah. i don't think you can really go too wrong with a toyota typical sedan uh-huh 
if you had to choose. And then Lexus is still like the most reliable car brand. That's the luxury brand also owned by Toyota, the most reliable car company plus yeah. sort of. They're number one and then usually number two with Toyota. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's a very valuable thing. Yeah. And depreciating asset should at least be a reliable depreciating asset. Yeah. Maybe if anything, depreciate slower than some other cars potentially or something. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yep, exactly. Well, that kind of reminds me of another story yeah. of... Um, my dad was working with some older folks on some estate planning and they, part of the name of the game there is Medicaid planning or long-term care planning. They're trying to get assets, money, investments, cash out of consideration for Medicaid. Cause if you have too much money, Medicaid won't pay for your long-term care and you can't just get rid of it. Cause they look back five years to see what your net worth was or what you had. But anyway, so he said, uh, you can put money into cars, which obviously depreciate, but he would look around for doing research on cars that depreciated the least where they could kind of park money for these people and get it out of consideration. And at the time, what did they buy? It was like a BMW X5 or something like that that was holding its value the best. And uh, mm -hmm. so there's other ways that that's useful. But all right. Well, I think that's uh, hopefully helpful on buying a car and whether it's whether you're listening to this five years from today's podcast or five days from it, uh, it might be in a different car buying selling environment, but there's some good rules of thumb for you to remember regarding and then some just little nuances about the time that we're in this year. Are we headed towards a recession? Will these prices be dropping soon? Where's gas prices going? All these things. Mm -hmm. Perhaps while you're listening to this episode, you already know the answers to these questions that I'm asking about the future. But mm -hmm. either way, the financial advice that we have here is always solid. And uh, we're always trying to prepare for whatever the future may hold, planning all contingencies and pivot when we need to. So if you've got any further questions on that, you know how to get a hold of us. Go to financialmd.com. You'll find all the free resources there. You'll find our financial planning app designed for residents. You'll find the links to our YouTube, to our TikTok, our Instagram. We're trying to get videos out at least once a week. So TikTok, Instagram are going to be the best place to, to catch those videos and subscribe and follow those. But you'll see this video on YouTube and Facebook. And please not only subscribe to this podcast, if you haven't yet, I'm assuming you have. I never know why they always ask at the end of each podcast I listen to. You need to subscribe to this podcast. I'm, like, I'm listening to it. But What's big is two things. Please share and please leave a review. If you want this info to get out to other doctors, if you feel like it's good, if you've benefited from Financial MD at all, get the word out. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a message. As always, Dr. Smith, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to hang. Yep. Great talking with you, John. Yeah. Have a good weekend. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to FinancialMD.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD Show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.